Go with me over to the book of Psalms for a moment. Um, you know, you've been in the sessions, we've been talking about the character of God, and there's nothing more faith building than to know what God's character and nature actually is. And of course, He's merciful. Say, My God is merciful. Say, My God is wise. Say, My God is just. And how many know my God is loving? Do you believe He loves you tonight? A Sunday morning, uh, we've been talking about what it means to uh, have a perfected or mature love. And so what's going to happen Sunday morning, in each of the three dimensions of love we've talked about, which are required for your faith to work and for you to be free from fear, uh, we're going to show you actually how to perfect those dimensions. And so it's real important to understand that. And here's a tip. They get progressively more difficult as they go down the line. <laughs> but how many will pray about that? Because uh, if, if our faith is being perfected, then we're headed to the next level. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Our love is perfected. We're headed to the next level in terms of our ability to believe God and you live free of all fear. Shout that out. No fear here. No fear. Say again. Say no fear here. No fear. Glory to God. But tonight I want to begin talking to you about the character of God in terms of His faithfulness. Shout that out. My God is faithful. And there's a real fundamental reason, of course, that, that He is. And if we allow Him to fashion this in us, we become like He is, stable and constant. Turn to somebody and say, stable, stable. constant, constant. Not, flaking. not flaking. See, it's not just enough to say God is faithful. It's important for that faithfulness to impact us, where we are stable ourselves. I'm telling you, not only does the church need to see stable Christians, the world needs to see what looks like a stable Christian who's focused on what God's agenda is instead of all the fussing, all the fighting, amen, all the comparing, all the tearing down, amen, just lifting up and loving on people. I'm absolutely convinced of this the further we get into this uh, and understand, for example, the love of God and how loving He is and how much He expects us to walk in love. At the end of the day, it's not going to be about which denomination which doctrine, amen, which church house, what it looks like, where it's located, what country it's in. It's all going to be about, did you have a revelation of the love of God? Did you walk it in? Because the Bible doesn't say, amen, and the greatest of these is doctrine. It says the greatest of these is, is love. And by your doctrine and denomination, all men will know that you're my disciples. No, by your love, not for the world, love one for another. So we want the character of God, the nature of God. We just don't want to have head knowledge about this. We want it to be revelation knowledge. And it also includes an example for you and for me to follow. So let's just take some of these foundational scriptures tonight and build your faith. Because if you get a revelation of how faithful God is, amen, you got no worries. Go on, say, He is faithful. No reason for me to worry. Psalm uh, 36, verse 5. Your steadfast, O Lord, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. That's pretty far out. Your faithfulness to the clouds, which means it includes you and me. In Psalm 119, verse 89 and 90. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. So how many you believe it, it uh, extends to our generation? Yes. Amen. Raise your hand if you believe that extends to 
this generation. Aren't you glad you're part of the generation where God is still faithful? You've established the earth and it stands fast. In Deuteronomy 32, 4, He is the rock. His works are perfect and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. Say it with all your heart, He is faithful. Psalm 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. That tells you how he's going to conduct himself as it pertains to you. He's going to be what towards you? Faithful. Say he is faithful in all he does. Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. You see, having been faithful to you doesn't mean that any of the end time prophecies are somehow compromised by that. On the contrary, he'll be faithful and true to carry out his father's plan all the way to the end. Aren't you glad you know him? You put it this way, aren't you glad you're on the right side of faithful and true <laughs> instead of on the other end of faithful and true? Let's make sure we understand what this word actually means, faithful. It means lasting loyalty and trustworthiness, particularly in relationships. Lasting loyalty. The fact or quality of being true to one's word or commitments. How many know God is the God of His Word? There are some people who don't understand that the fundamental concept of being what we call a word believer or a word of faith believer, we simply believe that God is a God of His Word. Watch this. He doesn't say one thing and then do another. Well, He's sovereign. He can do what He wants. Now, a sovereign God that is faithful cannot just do what He wants once He has established in writ what His will is. He does not come back and trample upon what He has said in the name of sovereignty. Watch this. Through sovereignty has established and given to you and to me his will. That's the difference. Some Christians look at that and they go, well, with God's sovereignty, he can do whatever he wants. Well, we understand that through sovereignty, he preserved his will through the word of God. So the word and God's will are what? One. And if you get that down, you have confidence in God. Well, I know he said that, but you know, he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. If that's the case, he's no better than a man or any other false God. That's right. If he says one thing and then does another. Say it with my God, my God is faithful. He keeps his word. He doesn't say one thing and then do another. So here we have Diane and she's lost as a goose. Not tonight. This is hypothetical. She's crying out to God. I'm under conviction. I repent. God says, I know I said whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but I'm making an exception for you. What would you think about that? Scream, God is sovereign? Or scream that the sovereign God just compromised himself? See, for you and me, it may be you know, a book, you know, and there's some nice sayings in there, some good ethical standards. However, somebody has the higher view of Scripture you have, the more you know God and His Word are one. Right. Does that make sense? But to a person that believes that that is a revelation of His nature and His character and His will, we don't say God says one thing and then does another in the name of sovereignty. No. Write this phrase down. That's what we call 
hyper-sovereignty or sovereignty expressed outside of the confines of the Word of God. How many believe that before Jesus left, He said, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Amen. And where I am, there you may be also. You may be also. Now, how many believe that tonight? Do you believe that? How many of you believe that some of your loved ones are already there? They are yes. walking and they're absent from the body present yes. with the Lord. Do you believe that? Yes. Well, think about it this way. What if you get up there and says, I'm sorry, but I don't have one for you? Well, he's sovereign. There is great faith building when you know that he has revealed his sovereignty in Scripture. We don't know everything, but we know a lot about his mindset. And what he wants for us. Does that make sense? And that fundamentally is the difference between a word believer and the full body of the evangelicals, even the spirit-filled world out there. This in the back of their mind thinking that I know he said that, but. Look at somebody and smile and say, no buts. Come on, say, no buts allowed. If he said that, put it in concrete. Why? Because he's faithful. Say, my God is faithful. He will always what? Be faithful. Now this is really, really important as you talk about this because of the concept that historically is, is mentioned. You know, when you begin to talk about the foundations of that faithfulness, but let's talk a little bit first of all about uh, what it means uh, further to be faithful. It means dedicated and steadfast in performing one's duty. How many know Jesus was dedicated and steadfast? The Bible described Caleb as wholehearted. So we see that that character, that nature is, is coming into God's people and certainly touching certain lives and hearts. The Hebrew word is literally translated steadfastness, steadiness, fidelity, and trust. Sometimes it's also translated as truth. In the Greek of the New Testament, it's translated faithful or faithfulness, sure, true. In other words, it's supposed to describe not only God, but those who claim to be his followers. We're supposed to be what kind of followers? True. Faithful. How many know God has been faithful to you? Do you believe God's been faithful to you? Do you think he'll be faithful to you the rest of your life? How about faithful all the days of your life? How about all through eternity? Is God going to be faithful to you? Yes, he will. Amen. Amen. Why is he faithful? Well, here's the, here's the foundation. If I only get to this part today, then praise the Lord, there's another Wednesday. Amen. <laughs> I never sweat it because there's always going to be what? God willing, another service. And we'll just do what Brother Hagin used to do, just unplug and then plug back in again. Amen. Amen. And when you're hanging around faith people, that's easy to do because they're tracking with you. Does that make sense? Write this word down. He is faithful because he is immutable. I-M-M-U-T-A-B-L-E. Immutable. Now, if you took that literally, and just for a second out of its you know, theological context, think of he can't be mutated. Not his character, not God, not his word. He's not suddenly going to on a dime change. He's not arbitrary. He's not capricious. He's faithful. Why? 
Because it literally means he cannot change. That's what immutable means. He cannot change. He will not change. And there's nothing that can change him. <laughs> nothing. Say it with me. He's immutable. He is unchanging. God help us to be like that. I've said for years, uh, it's great if we're, we're operating in gifts, you know, and there's a certain level of charisma about a person, you know, and they're, they're gifted of God and they're, 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 you know, fun to be around that kind of a thing. But, um, God will take the boring Christian any day of the week who is what? Immutable. Consistent. Unchanging. They're stable. Find them on a Monday, they're stable. Find them next month, they're what? Stable. Run into them in 10 years, they're what? Stable. stable. They're still growing. They're still moving up. But guess what? Fundamentally, there is a stability about them. That's how he builds his church. Not on flakiness, not on flightiness, amen. Not on showtime, can I have an amen? amen. But on a revelation of his character. Expressed through his people, that's how he establishes and expands his work. Why is he faithful? Because you can't be changed. Say it, I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Well, he was he was that way long before you were thought of. He can't be. He's consistent, steadfast, and unchanging. Say that it will be consistent, steadfast, and unchanging. He says and then does what he says. God is unchanging in his nature, true to his word, and will do what he said. That's incredibly important you understand that. Because when you look at, uh, say you're going through something in life right now, and it's a challenge, you know, some kind of a war going on, some kind of a thing going on with finances or health or, you know, something at work, whatever the case may be. And if you're, you know, you're tempted to say, well, because this exists, well, then maybe it's not God's will to do thus and so. But when you understand that God is faithful and he's unchanging and you can see in his word what his will is, it helps you, it fortifies you, it strengthens you, it gives you the ammunition you need to actually stand in that situation. In other words, if I, if I know what an immutable God has said, a faithful God, say a faithful God. When I look at the pictures in the scriptures, I see story after story of what? God's faithfulness. Throughout the pages, regardless of the time, regardless of the people he's dealing with, regardless of the king, regardless of where it's at in the New Testament, what do you see? A faithful God, right? Say he is faithful. So when you're going through something and you find out what God says about that, what the immutable, unchanging, faithful God says about that, then if something's going on, you can say with confidence, I don't know what's going on, but I know it's not God, That's right. and I know it's not His Word. That's right. well, then who does that leave? Watch this. There are people in the body of Christ that would sooner and more willingly impugn God's character than throw their pride down. It is extremely arrogant to say it's problems with God. The problem is with his word. It's not with me. 
It couldn't possibly be me. What is that? It's pride. It's humility to say, you're perfect. You're immutable. You're unchanging. You're faithful. Your word is forever settled. If you said it, amen, it's true because you don't change. Amen. Lord, on the other hand, I'm not immutable. I have not perfected faithfulness. I am changing. Flaky. Just maybe part of the problems with me. <laughs> How can you have that attitude? Because you have an extremely high view of his character. And you have a, I will not say anything other than what God says in his word. I'm going to put my full weight upon the word of God. It's God's will. It's a revelation of his nature, his character. And I'm not going to throw or cast doubt or dispersion on him to protect my own pride. Did you see the big picture of this enormously powerful God who's unchanging? And then you and me that change on a dime. It's actually healthy. This one revelation of his character helps you to say, you know, I don't know what the, the issue is, but I'm believing that God by his power can reveal it to me and give me insight from his word and show me how to fight the good fight in this particular area. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to win. Hallelujah. Amen. But you're not going to win doubting God's character and saying, well, you know what, that word doesn't apply for me today. It's, it applies to somebody else in the past. No, it applies to you. He said he forgives all your sins. He meant it. Amen. At the same time, if he said he heals all your diseases, he meant it. Does that make sense? There are always variables you and I don't understand. I'm just simply trying to tell you to take the variable of God's character and the integrity of his word off the table. Say it's not God. It's never God. And it's not his word. You say, well, you know, God in his sovereignty. That's the problem. You've got to start seeing the Word of God as a revelation of His sovereignty. Here's the point. He didn't have to leave any of this for us. He did not have to commit Himself to anything. No one compelled Him. He did this by His love. And He gave us His Word to reveal Himself as well as His will. He didn't have to do any of it. But having done it, He has bound Himself to His own Word. What do you call it when someone binds themselves to their Word? In Integrity. And no one has more integrity than God. How I mean, you know somebody says, you know, you're a liar when you know you didn't lie? Does that make sense? Because your mom or your dad a liar when you know that's not the case? Because you know their character in that situation? Well, your God's not a liar. In fact, Scripture says He's not a man. Implying what? That men are immutable. Now we're not immutable. Men are faithless. Men are changing. They lie. But God? No. I mean, no, He didn't lie to you when He said He's preparing a place for you. He didn't lie to you when He said He would forgive your sins. He didn't lie when He said He had a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Say so He's consistent, steadfast, unchanging. He says, and then does what He says. Amen.
Say it. If there's a problem, it's not God. It's not the Word. It's somewhere else. And that somewhere else is in the realm of human life and existence. Amen. The fallen world that we deal with. But it's not with an unchanging, perfect God. Amen. He's immutable. He doesn't change. Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord and I do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Is anybody in here a descendant of Jacob? Raise your hand if you're a descendant of Jacob. His father, is Abraham your father? By faith? Then guess what? Are you not grafted in? Amen. Are you not following in the footsteps of your father Abraham? Well, I guess the supply is to you then because you're a descendant. Therefore, you're not destroyed. Why? Because your God isn't changing in your day. Well, it's a new day. If we don't you know, hear people talk about progressive Christianity, let me help you about this. Progressive Christian advocates right now, quote unquote, progressive Christianity is neither progressive nor Christianity. It's not either one of them. Because right now, these folks deny the physical resurrection of Christ. If you don't have a physical resurrection of Christ, then you're still in your sin. You see what I'm saying to you? And on and on it goes. And after a while, this guy, these folks just, just making this up. You know, years ago, they, they talked to the editors of the National Enquirer. And they said, how in the world do you come up with these stories? And they said, what we do is we get two or three cases of beer. We sit at a table and we just drink and drink and drink. And we just brainstorm. We just make stuff up. And that's what your progressive Christian leaders are doing. I mean, absolutely taking away all the miraculous, all the supernatural, all the dimensions of it. Jesus was raised only spiritually. That's interesting because that's not what Scripture actually says. You can come up with anything as long as you divorce yourself from the Word of God. I encourage you to stick to the Word of God. Tell somebody and tell them, stick to the Word of God. Come on, everybody, shout it out. Stick, stick to, to the Word of God. There's some interesting folks out there. But I hope folks aren't listening to them because it's going to lead them straight into a devil's hell, which they also deny. How convenient. You almost get to the point where there's no hell, there's no devil, um, there's no resurrection physically. Well, then what's the point? Maybe you also just close down your shop because you really have no real answers for anybody. Or you could just stick to what the Word of God says. Say, I'm a believer. I'm a believing believer. I believe what the Word says. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Raise your hand if you believe He's the same in your day, in this day. Yes, we believe that. The implication is that uh, whatever His characteristics, God is faithfully that way. Whatever characteristic or nature that we learn, aspect of His nature we learn, we know He is permanently that way. He is faithfully loving. He's faithfully good. He's faithfully wise. He's faithfully just. He's faithfully merciful. How many can count on God being merciful in your situation? His mercies are what? New every morning. Why? Because He doesn't change. Well, what if you're making really, 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 really mad? Well, you're born again. So you're not called to suffer God's wrath. 
There's some Christians bound and determined they're going to go through God's wrath. Go right ahead. Uh, not realizing that in Christ that wrath was satisfied. Wow, that's no big deal. One man, one man gets crucified. One perfect person gets crucified and pays the price for the whole world. All the sin, past, present, future, laid on him at one time. All the disease of past, present, future, laid on him at one time. All the bondages of sin, amen, past, present, future, laid on him at one time and did nothing to deserve any of it. One perfect sacrifice. Glory to God. It's not a small thing, it's a big thing. Amen. amen. Aren't you glad you know him? James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. <laughs> Say it, no variableness. How much? None. He doesn't vary in his will, in his character, in his nature. Does he respond to repentance? Yes, he does. Why? Because that's a reflection of his nature. In other words, if it ever was his will, if it ever was his character, it's his will, it's his character today. Why? Because he's unchanging. Amen? His sovereignty is not his essential attribute. <laughs> you talk to somebody and say, do you think the, the creator of the universe is sovereign? Well, snore. Duh. <laughs> That is not his essential revelation. That's like, uh, duh. Is he all powerful? Is he almighty? Yes. And he could have stayed at that distance if that's what he wanted to do. But how many know he got up close and personal? You remember the story that Billy Graham used to tell about his son Franklin? He actually stepped on an anthill. Anybody remember the story? And he stepped on the anthill, and these ants were just screwing around, some of them dead, some of them confused, some of them in trauma. And he's thinking to himself, you know, it wouldn't it be great, Dad, if I could go down there as an ant and help them out. And his dad looked at him and said, that's exactly what Jesus did. Wow. Aren't you glad that he came down and helped us? From God's perspective, that's what we would basically be, a bunch of ants, in a big dime trouble. Amen? Yes. Amen. Aren't you glad he came? Yes. So let me just give you some, some teeth for this. And then um, coming sessions, we're going to actually talk about, you know, three specific areas where God is faithful. He's faithful, period. But I want to highlight three specific areas for you. Um, how many of you remember the very first words that a man or a woman ever heard? in earth. Remember those words? Genesis chapter 1. Man's created, but God blessed them. Which means something was said to them. And they were given what? Dominion and seed told to, to multiply, to subdue the earth. In other words, the very first thing they ever heard was the blessing. Which means it's God's will forever that His people be what? Blessed. We call that the law of first words or the law of first mention. Now apply this concept of his character and his nature to this. 
Why can you expect that blessing to still be God's will in your life? Because he's unchanging. If it was ever God's will that you would be blessed, it's God's will today that you would be blessed. Why? Because it didn't change. Well, it's been a long time, Pastor. Hadn't you had some time to think about it? No, in fact, the story of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is very, very simple. You can put it like this. The blessing bestowed, the blessing compromised because of sin, and the blessing restored through the cross of Christ. And I'm not making that up. Galatians, Paul said in Galatians, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might what? Come to the Gentiles by faith. I mean, Abraham was blessed. If it ever was God's will that you be blessed, it's still God's work. Now, why do I want you to have confidence in that? Not because of what I'm saying, but because an immutable God said it. And once he said it, it is the will of God for all time. For whosoever will. And when you accept Christ, you get to participate in the redemption from the curse. Spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. You have every right to believe that you are forgiven and on your way to heaven. You have every reason to believe that that person on the inside of the spirit man is alive and perfect and already fully glorified and your mind, your will, your emotions and your body are still going through that process and one day they will be as he is, perfect. You have every reason to believe that you will live long, amen, and live strong and carry out your purpose. Why? Because he said, be blessed way back then. If he ever said it, an immutable God does not change. Theologians change God's, our view of God. But God does not change. And this is a good place for you to get excited. There's a reason why we say it's still his will to bless you. Because when it was compromised by sin, he immediately put in a motion, amen, the plan to get it back. Why would he get it back? Because it's still his will that his people be blessed, redeemed from the curse. We don't apologize or shrink back when the word tells us God's you know, promises of provision that you've been redeemed from spiritual death, sickness and disease, and poverty and lack. Poverty is not part of the blessing. Amen. That's right. I wish you could hear some of the old messages of John Osteen when he would talk about the days of depression when as a little boy he longed for his mom to fill the glass of milk all the way up, but she only would go up about half a glass because they didn't have anything. He'd say, oh, how I long to see her fill that up. He would get up there and he would say boldly, poverty is a curse. And guess what? You've been redeemed from it. How dare you like Western Christianity and Sunday school religion talk you back into what Jesus died to free you from. Said, I am redeemed from the curse It's not something you make up. It's not an American gospel. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This didn't come from America. These things weren't written in the Western Hemisphere. They weren't given to people who lived in the Western Hemisphere. The question is, will we believe it though? Say, I've been redeemed. From what? Spiritual death, sickness and disease, and poverty. 
and say, well, you know, pastor, uh, you know, some of your people get sick and they deal with things. Yes, that gives you the basis and foundation to fight and to stand. You're not, you're not in heaven yet. You're not in a bubble. You fight the good fight of faith. You say, well, if I go down swinging, at least what you left here with you had on your lips was God is my healer, he's my restorer, he's my provider, he's a faithful God, he's immutable, he's unchanging. Let that be your confession when you walk out of this place. Not questioning and doubting and letting man's made theology affect your thinking. When I was in the Hopkins with pastoring, uh, Mylon Lefebvre was uh, uh, involved in his teaching ministry. What Mylon did, and uh, Ben Priest, my brother-in-law, worked with him on many occasions where Mylon would play. Most of you don't know, when he was like 17 years old, he wrote a song for Elvis. Elvis recorded was a smash hit. He was involved in the Southern Gospel. He was involved in the rock world. He got, uh, gave his life back to Christ. The spirit filled, turned on. He, found, he uh, founded you know, Mile of Fever and Broken Heart. And he ended up winning 250,000 teenagers to Christ, yeah. his ministry. Wow. Mile went home to be with the Lord the other day after a battle with cancer. And they said his last words were a confession of the Word of God. He was still speaking the Word of God. Years ago before that, in his 50s, he was told he's going to die of heart disease and there was no hope for him. And on a beach, he ran into Gloria Copeland, who swung around and, and spoke to him, didn't know who he was from Adam, and said, you will not die, but you will live and proclaim the glory of God. Yeah. You know what happened to him? He was given a brand new heart. <laughs> and preached. And boy, did he preach. You think I'm long? You think Brother Copeland's long. <laughs> At Westview, uh, packed out. People wanted to hear him. My landlord, who was familiar with him, came. Remember him? He said after two hours, he said, I have to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he hung on for two hours. Why? He was so filled with the word of an immutable God, that an unchanging God that touched his life. Now he's enjoying his reward. Does that make sense? See, the reason this particular part, your facet of his character is so important, it gives you confidence in God. And if you have confidence in God, you have confidence in his word. Somehow, some way, come on, say it, somehow, somehow. some way, he's going to come through. Come on, say it again. Somehow, some way, he's going to come through. Why? Because he's faithful. And the foundation of his faithful is the fact that he doesn't change. And once he introduced his will into the Holy Scriptures, you understand what I'm saying to you? And we're not talking about you know, the covenants in terms of transitioning from the first covenant to the better covenant. That was always in his mind to get where? To the better covenant for you and for me. You find something in Scripture, don't let anybody talk you out of it. That's right. If they want to just play with it and, and get on YouTube and SpewTube and Facebook and all that stuff and mess with you, don't listen to it. Does that make sense? 
Because if somebody, if God says this and they say, well, that no longer applies to us. I heard one speaker and I've loved him for years. He wasn't from our particular faith persuasion, but very powerful and a lot of good things to say over the years. But he would open up the Psalms and say, these don't apply to you. Proverbs, these aren't promises for you. Then why are they there? They just filler? No, they're for me. All the promises of God are yes. And amen. And you find the place where it's written. And you say, that's what he said. And listen to what I'm saying to you. An immutable God said that. An unchanging God said that. I believe I'm just going to believe him. Do you know how much that honors him? And pleases him. With all that pressure and religion and legalism and all that stuff that people go through, my child, amen, just recognize that I'm the Lord thy God and I change not. And my word is just as unchanging as I am. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. Listen, what it, the word is as immutable as God is. That's right. So when you find that promise, you hold on to it. You find yourself in lack of financial pressure, something going on. This didn't come to pass. It this didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Yes. What do you do? You find the place where it is written. And you get excited when you hear words like, and my God, my immutable, unchanging, faithful God, my God, say it with me, my God, my God, my God shall supply. What kind of God? An immutable, unchanging Amen. Amen. Faithful God. Amen. You see this? Yes. You should not walk out of here any other way than just absolutely on fire for God, excited because if He said it and you found it, you can have it. That's right. Let me say it again. If He said it and you found it, you can have it. We're not even scratching the surface of our rights as children of God. Not in any dimension. Spiritual, natural. Amen. Not in any area. And part of the problem as we look at stuff and we go, well, you know, maybe that's not for me because, you know, I seem to have circumstances that contradict the Word of God. Here's a 411 for you tonight and a piece of prophetic revelation. Your circumstances are not immutable. That's right. Amen. They're not unchanging. Amen. We focus on, we look to the things that are what? Seen. Right? Because the things that are seen are what? They're temporary. Watch this. And what does temporary mean? Subject to change. So here's your problem. Here's the Word of God. This, subject to change. This, immutable, unchanging. Which one's going to yield? The temporal thing. The goal is in talking about God's faithfulness is to get you more confident than you've ever been in what he said in a world right now that's doubting him at every turn. Well, look at the world. I'm not telling you to look at the world. The world has been nuts from the beginning. Amen. I mean, if you lived in any, any season before our time, you think it was crazy. Don't tell me if you lived in Europe during World War II with Hitler was doing, you didn't think it was the end of the world. Yeah. Sure you did. Yeah. 
And there, there, there are thugs like that throughout human history who, who turned everything upside down. Amen. I promise you this, if you saw 600,000 people in America die, you saw the blood, you saw the battlefields, and you saw the division, you saw the war in this country in 1860, you would have thought the world was coming to an end. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what? Everything in this world is subject to change, right. including your circumstances. Amen. Come on, including, including my circumstances. My Don't project it onto somebody else that it work for them. No. You just need to believe that your God is immutable, He's unchanging, and His Word is just as unchanging as He is. And what does that do? Makes Him faithful. Yes, it does. Amen. Yes. God and His Word are one. You ever heard the phrase that so-and-so is a man of their word? Yes. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yes. Our God is fully God and fully man. But um, we have this fellow that comes up from Paducah and he does some work for us sometimes and he's a super nice guy. He used to own a big uh, successful maintenance uh, operation, uh, you know, auto shop in, I think it was Greenville. And now he works out of Paducah and he was saying that, uh, you know, one day, uh, in the past, we would change hundreds of acres of land with a handshake across the fence line. And he was telling me this. And he said that there was one time that uh, he had a large parcel of land, and that's exactly what he did. And I'd have you know, documents up to this high because you're trying to you know, close every loophole, a handshake. He said he would give this much money in exchange for this much land. With a handshake. Yeah. A couple of days later, somebody offered him a boatload more money for it. You know what he did? He said, my word and integrity are more valuable to me than the extra money I would have made. And I took care of him. He said, you know what? My God's taken care of me all my life. I got nothing to be ashamed of and, you know, could have backed out of that. That happened to us when we bought our house in the county. We'd always wanted to go into the county. And uh, we lived in town for years and... And, uh, you know, Kelly was just, you know, scrolling through one afternoon, one Sunday afternoon, and found the house that we were interested in. And then uh, I said, you know, uh, that thing's just been uh, completed, and uh, it's, it comes with some land. And uh, if you're interested, you better go see it. And even by the time we got there, there are already 10, 12, 15 cars laying on the counter. Uh, and it was going to go very, very quickly. So we offer a... We made an offer. She was uh, teaching across the state, and she just had a surgery. And I'm actually driving her across the state. And I just said to the realtor, well, here's what we're going to offer. And if, if the land doesn't come with it because it was parceled off by the house and the land was separate, we're not interested. And it was a fair offer based on what they were asking for. And uh, we get a phone call while we're driving. And, and she says, well, you know, he, he accepted the offer. A few days later, he sends my attorney a letter through his attorney. Well, I'm not going to give you the names to protect the guilty here. <laughs> and he says that uh, the contract my client has with Mr. and Mrs. Hines is not a valid contract, blah, 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 blah. What happened was two days later, he was given a cash offer for a whole lot more money. And that's when my attorney called me up and he said, um, Art, first thing he said was this, Art, I realize that you're a pastor in this town. He said, if you give me permission, though, I'd like to go and just beat him up. <laughs> and I said, Gerald, you're right. 
I, I can't be a part of it. I said, but you can write one of your famous letters. And he did. And so at this point, we're, we're having to think, God, are you trying to protect us or is the devil trying to steal from us? And so he wrote a letter back. He said, uh, dear so-and-so Esquire, <laughs> the contract between your client and my client is ironclad. And if either of them try to get out of that contract at this point, they'll be in breach of contract. And then that attorney calls him up and says, the dumbest thing goes, well, I didn't want to write that letter. That's because my client wanted me to write that letter. <laughs> well, I'll tell your client he's wrong. All over what? Money. A little extra money. People should just be what? And we're not perfect in this. This isn't called to be under condemnation. We need to be like God. He doesn't say one thing and do another. You don't believe that? If he asks for bread, does he give you a stone? It should be plain to us. He doesn't play that game. <laughs> for money. This guy's going to compromise his integrity over money. Now, the end of the story is he backed off real quickly. Amen. And we closed. And the way we knew it was of God, we walked onto the property and the peace of God was already there. It's like somebody had dedicated the land, you know, already to the Lord. And that's the truth. The peace of God is still there. Here's the real kicker. We would have had nowhere to put my parents when they moved here a few years later, about five years after this happened. You can see how the devil is trying to operate here. But the devil did his best. His best wasn't good enough. But unlike people, we should be what? Fixed in terms of our word. It matters. Amen. Two old farmers with a handshake across the you know, fence line, transferring hundreds of acres and not moving, no matter what circumstances came after. That's the way God is. That's the way you and I need to be about His Word. Say, so if you said it, that's His Word. That's His will. He's unchanging. He's faithful. I mean, you believe it. Somehow, some way, He'll turn it around. Come on, say it. Somehow, some way, my faithful God will turn it around. In Jesus' name. Can you receive that tonight? Yes. Come on, give him a big hand clap and thank him for it.